I just wanted to let you know I'm so excited to share with you that the doors are now open to my new course, Faith Fueled Joy. You guys, it's been a labor of love, and we will officially start the modules in January, but I'm going to have a whole month in December of things to get you started so that you can step into more joy, you can step into more peace and calm in your life, and that you can really step into the role and the type of day that God has intended for us. So I'm so, so excited. So if anybody that signs up between now and mid-December, you're going to get all sorts of extras, extra um, modules to kind of get the holidays kick-started in a calmer way. And then we'll start the official four-week course in January. So this is really for any of you, just like myself, that were feeling like daily life was weighing you down, or maybe that life is full of so many responsibilities and obligations that there was no time to increase or deepen your faith, have more meaningful relationships, step into or reignite your passion, your creativity, and and just have a calmer spaces and do more for ourselves so that we have more well-being. And so that's what the course is about. I'd love for you to learn more at faithfueledjoy.com. And by the end of the course, you can expect to find more balance and joy that you're craving through meaningful breaks. And this is going to be together with a community of women to support and encourage us that will help us stay on track and achieve our goals. But I want you to say goodbye to the chaos and embrace the life where balance means nurturing your faith, relationships, and passions one meaningful break at a time. I can't wait to connect with you all and take you through the strategies and tools and the research-based insights that have changed my life and other women's as well. You guys, let's create a life that's flowing with joy, faith, and purpose together. Once again, go check out all the information about the course at faithfueledjoy.com. Hi, beautiful friends, and welcome back to the show. This is your host, Kristen. Today, we have such an important conversation and a guest on. We are going to talk about how do we ask for help when we're struggling in so many ways, but especially if we're struggling with our mental health. We're going to talk about how do we exchange perfectionism, people-pleasing, and fear for restorative mental health. And my guest shares her journey along the way. She shares years of her struggling through her own fear and uh, mental health struggles, a trauma that her daughter went through and everything that added to her mental health struggles. We're also going to talk about how she finally asked for help and how that help has really helped her in her life. And we're going to talk about how we can trust God to guide us along the way of this process. So it's a really important conversation. It's a really honest and open and vulnerable conversation. And I think so many of us need to hear this and we need to know that we're not alone in our struggles. We're not alone in possibly needing help and we're not alone in maybe needing mental health help and we need to have open conversations about it. So I am so glad my guests joined us about this today. Hi, beautiful friend, and welcome to Faith Fueled Woman. I want to ask you, are you ready to accept the invitation we've been given to step into the adventure of pursuing God in what he has for us? I'm Kristen. I'm an encourager. I'm a Christian inspirational speaker, author, and podcaster. I help women grow in their faith, purpose, and business so they can have a lasting legacy and impact in their homes and in the world. If you want to partner with God and design your life to be less hurried, less stressed, be more excited, and feel alive in your purpose and commitment to God and your family, this is the podcasting community for you. Grab your favorite beverage, your prayer journal, and your pen. And let's be encouraged. Hi, today on the podcast, I would like to welcome our guest, Raina McIntyre. She's the author of No Longer a Guest Girl, an up-and-coming speaker, 
and a certified mental health coach, mom and wife. She's coming to us from Tennessee, and I'm so happy she's joining us today. I met her years ago at a uh, writing and a creatives conference. It was such a great conference, and I remember so much enjoying meeting her. So I'm so glad we got to reconnect today. But I love that she's coming on to share a little bit about her book, her journey, and just her inspiring story on how she went from trauma and dealing with some you know, beliefs and thinking and the way she was brought up into having um, restorative mental health. So I really appreciate her coming on and joining us and sharing this with us. Welcome, Raina. Thanks, Kristen. I'm so glad to be here. Absolutely. So first of all, I just want to say uh, the full title of your book is No Longer a Yes Girl, Exchanging Perfectionism, People-Pleasing, and Fear for Restorative Mental Health. And I think so many of us can relate to at least one of those things in our past, perfectionism, people-pleasing, and fear, or all three. I surely can can, uh, align with those things. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of what's been going on in your life that led you to this book and, you know, getting some mental health help? And then what are you up to? now? Sure. Um, So I will start by just saying that I am a mom of two girls and also a wife. And I have a 20-year-old who has special needs. And I'll be talking about her a little bit here today as I, you know, kind of journey with you through this. Um, And then I also have a 17-year-old who is a senior in high school. And she is now, uh, we're in the throes of researching schools for musical theater. So (laughs) that's been a lot of fun. But yeah, so my journey and how I've kind of come to this place is three years ago, I published the book, No Longer a Yes Girl. And um, it's taken me three years to get to a point where I've finally been like, okay, I feel like this is something that God wants me to actually talk about and share more of. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where um, the book in and of itself is kind of is my story of how my mental health journey collided with a traumatic event. And it taught me that what I think about myself is far more important than what others think about me. And um, that in and of itself has kind of been a journey because so much of my past is one that has been filled with a lot of just shame and um, unbelief in myself and in who I am and who God created me to be. And I think I'm still in the process of learning a lot of that. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, that's a lot of, you know, kind of where, where I am at this point in time. That was really a great uh, nutshell, kind of what's going on and sort of what we're going to get into today. Appreciate you sharing that. So, you know, one of the things that you share in the book and that, uh, you know, I know you're talking on at this point is that when, how you grew up, you sort of had this Um, understanding that God was more, you know, we had to be perfect in order to be loved in God's eyes, or that he was more of like a God, if we didn't behave properly, right, he's more of a God of of consequences or punishment. And so you say when you grew up, when you grew up, you were felt like you were performing, you're believing that your value and worth was based on what you did and how others viewed you. So tell us about that, and then how it shifted to today. Sure. So my upbringing was I was brought up in a Christian home and I was also the daughter of two school teachers. We lived in a small community, so everybody knew our family. (laughs) And um, 
I learned very early that, you know, you kind of abide by the rules. And not only were my, was my image on the line, but I guess also, you know, that of my parents. And so I can appreciate that as a mom, you know, today, but at the same time, you know, that became something that was really heavy for me to carry um, as a child and even into my adult years and um, my upbringing and belief from a Christian standpoint was very legalistic. Um, And so I grew to believe that God was a God that was, he was an angry God and um, anger was something that I feared and was afraid of. And it's something that I'm still working on, um, you know, even as a 45 year old woman (laughs) and being able to um, understand that, you know, he is not, he's not an angry God, uh, but at the same time, that's something that I had lived to have, I had grown to believe Um, my kind of how I have learned otherwise is that when my daughter was uh, six months old, she was shaken by a babysitter. And in the process of raising her and seeing her from the standpoint of having now special needs, um, that is something that I have had to learn and And she has kind of taught me that God doesn't see us for what we do and, um, but he sees us for who we are. And, you know, today I'm able to look at everything that I've been through and I've been able to go simply because I have breath inside of my lungs, I have value and I have worth. And that it's not about, you know, um, being a good student or, you know, being this perfect Christian, you know, who uh, is doing all the things, going to church every Sunday and every um, week, when, you know, midweek service and um, doing all these things that personify a quote, good Christian. And um, so she has taught me a lot about, you know, the fact that there's a lot of things that we can't do and that we're not able to do. And um And there's a lot of things that happen inside of the brain that we don't even understand. (laughs) So, um, you know, a lot of our actions and the things that happen aren't even things that we're consciously able to understand and comprehend. And um, she's taught me a lot about, you know, just that. And my journey has taught me a lot about that. Absolutely. You know, it's so true. I mean, like you said, it's not about checking off all the right boxes to say, I'm a good Christian, right? I mean, I get it. A lot of us group thinking, you know, and I'm not saying obviously like if, as we have, God, we hopefully want to do some of these things, right? Because it'll refresh us, it'll renew us, it'll you know, deepen our relationship with them, but it's not to check the box so that we are good and we get to, right? Because we're told that is not the case, right? We already, by believing in Christ, we already, right? Um, we already get the promises, right? We're already, right. we're already going to be all right. And so you're so right. He's a God of love. It's just like the example all the time about, it's like when, if you have children or maybe you have nieces or nephews or somebody that you really care about that's young, 
You love them so much. And even if we don't, children don't do everything perfect. They're never going to, nor do we as adults. And so it's like, you still love them so much and you want the best for them, even in our weakest or even in our little mistakes or our our stumbling, right? So once you see that and you think, oh my gosh, if I love my children this much and God loves us even more, right? He's the creator of love. He is love. And so you can start to see that perspective. But I agree with you because I also grew up with a lot of, oh, I didn't do everything perfectly how I was supposed to. So I carried guilt with, you know, especially teenager college years, right? Like maybe I I didn't behave the best I could have, right? In some right. areas. And so right. it wasn't like my parents were telling you that. I was internalizing it from certain messages, you know, sure. about our faith or about God. And while I'm not saying we should go off and do all these things, the point was, is I was carrying a lot of guilt and shame around, you know, choices I made. And so, yes. but, you know, same as me, I also knew that God loved us And, but I had to really understand how do I balance or how do I understand past choices and the fact that God still loves me regardless of any of this. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, you know, part of, you know, my story is just that the, the choices that I made and, you know, growing up and trying to balance that with my faith and go, you know, this is what I was taught. This is what was modeled for me, you know, um, and just being able to look at all of those things and go, but I'm a human being, not a human doer. <laughs> and so, you know what I mean? So that is one of the things that I've had to learn over the course of time is that, you know, we are human beings and in those, in that being, sometimes we don't make the right choice, you know, and sometimes we do get off track and, you know, being able to give ourselves the grace that, you know, we need to be able to give each other and to into ourselves. That's one of the things I'm learning right now is that, you know, I'm often one who, because of my faith and my, you know, belief in Jesus, I'm often able to give grace and love and kindness, you know, and all that stuff to other people. But what I struggle and what I'm finding that I'm struggling with is that I struggle to give those things to myself. And, um, you know, that is something that I think God is working on with me right now. Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of women can relate to that. I, I definitely, you know, have those feelings sometimes as well, which is, you know, like you said, like, it's all about serving others, right? Especially as women, whether we ever were told that verbally, we, we observed, right? That women were the ones, we were caring for the families, we were caring for the communities, we were doing, doing, doing. And so to your point, it was like, oh, well, we come last. That's what we probably internalized. And what we don't always remember until maybe we're much older, is that if we don't care for ourselves, if we don't have time to refresh and renew and believe that we are just as worthy, right, and valued and loved as all the people we might be serving in our lives, then how can we show up and serve them and love them to our fullest extent, right? If we're not giving ourselves the time and the care that we also need. For sure. Yeah, I think that's a big, big challenge with women, obviously. You know, a lot of people, yeah. you know, say that that's a struggle and they feel guilty, you know, I mean, it's definitely a conversation to have with girlfriends often is they're always doing, 
right? For their family often, you know, or they're working or they're whatever. And they, they're like, oh, well, I have to make dinner first. I have to do this. And sometimes I literally go, well, can't you just not tonight? Like literally, yeah. and they are, they are about to lose their mind if I say that. Like they don't <laughs> even comprehend that concept. You know, yeah. and I'm thinking, well, on occasion, I've maybe I've grown in that area a little bit more, not in all areas. And I'll be like, there's leftovers in the fridge. And now, yes, I don't have little babies. So it's not like I'm, if I had little kids, like one of us has to feed the children. Right. But like mine are all pretty old, you know, they're high school and college. So I'm like, uh, you can figure it out. Like, I don't feel guilty at this point anymore because I cook a lot of meals, I cook a lot of food, but I don't feel bad if I'm like, I'm going out with my girlfriends, right? Or yeah. I just don't feel great tonight. I'm going to go rest. You yeah. know, but I, that, that's not bothering me anymore, but I have so many friends, it still bothers them. Like if they yeah. don't put the food on the table, you know, and yeah. it's, that's, a, well, that's one of the things that I've had to learn, you know, is that I think for so long, I lived believing that it was my job to keep others happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had to learn that, you know, really, I'm not responsible for anybody else's feelings except for mine. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's hard. That's hard. <laughs> um, it's hard as a mom. It's hard as a wife. You know, it's hard as a friend. Uh, it's it's hard in every area to just be able to kind of put up those boundaries and go, okay, like I'm responsible for me. You're responsible for you. And it's, it's going to be okay. <laughs> well, it is. And a lot of us, if we are people that were here, like we are someone that's very empathetic. We we really want to take care of people, right? Yes. It's hard because I didn't even know the word codependent probably 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But yes. right, like sometimes I didn't realize, oh, well, maybe I'm trying to be too much of a, like, let me help them fix their problems all the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, hold on. Maybe, you know, and so I've had to realize that you said, it doesn't mean I don't, don't mean well and I can't help or care for people, but I have to be careful that I don't cross a line into trying yes. to be there fixer or their helper when it's really for them to resolve. Of course, I can be a listening ear. I can be a whatever, but there is a fine line, like you said, of, of, it's not about me like doing whatever for them. It's about me being an independent person and helping wherever I can, but also having balance. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of that comes from just that people pleasing standpoint, you know, because for me, I know I would do because I wanted to receive I didn't want to receive anger or, you know, I didn't want to receive negative, uh, you know, what can come from not doing for somebody that, you know, they want you to do because sometimes you get the negative, you know, feedback, you know, from that. And I didn't want that. And so my people pleaser instinct, you know, immediately was like, you know, I want to do so that, you know, you're happy with me because <laughs> I don't want anybody to be not be happy with me. <laughs> We're disappointed in us, right? Yes. Like, oh, well, I can do it. So I will, right? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I so, so agree with you there. Well, and the good news is, is by starting to recognize some of these uh, patterns, recognize some of our thoughts, and then recognize that maybe we need boundaries, right? Sometimes we can do this on our own and sometimes we need to work with someone to kind of do these things. And so why don't you share a little bit with us about sort of some of these struggles that you found yourself in, you know, on with your mental health and what did the beginning of that, those years look like for you? Sure. So after everything happened to my daughter, you know, and just to give a little bit of a backstory, I try not to focus too much on, you know, the trauma itself. 
just because I feel like that takes away from, you know, God and all that he has done in the midst of my story and my journey. Uh, but I think to take you back a little bit and just kind of share a little bit more about that part of my story kind of will help to show, you know, where God has, has taken me. And for, for so long, it's been hard for me to even share this part of my story Uh, for, you know, initially I started sharing it by saying that my daughter suffered a traumatic brain injury and just being able to say the words that she was shaken by a babysitter that has been a hard stretch, a hard jump, shall we say, Um, because the babysitter was not only somebody that I knew, but it was also my best friend. And so there's just a lot of, uh, (laughs) you know, in the midst of that story. And the unfortunate reality is because of my upbringing and because of the pathways that had already been created in my brain, I immediately internalized everything that happened. And immediately started to blame myself. And, you know, everything had been, we, my husband and I both, as well as the babysitter were all questioned. And the, the, um, the case, it became a child abuse case from the moment we entered the emergency room and the doctors, you know, came in and told us that she had suffered not one brain bleed, but two. And, um, that, you know, we immediately were questioned and it was question upon question, upon question, upon question. And because I was the one who had picked her up, who had dropped her off at the babysitter's house that morning prior to going to work. And then because I was the one who picked her up after work, um, I was the one that was, I mean, drilled. (laughs) So, um, that was really, really hard for me. And, um, I went into a lot of depression and suffered, um, significantly with what I later found out were intrusive thoughts. And I didn't have names for any of these things at the time. Um, I just knew that I was not doing well and I didn't, the, the thing for me, And one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about talking about this is that I didn't have anybody for five or six years say, hey, you might need some help. (laughs) I had just been through this awful traumatic event and I didn't have anybody that said you might need some help. And so I did everything possible to try to fix it on my own and, you know, everything from diving into, uh, anything and everything faith-based and religion. You know, I got to the point where I would walk into Christian bookstores and I would, you know, just dive into everything that I possibly could to find about the brain and about the mind, you know, Battlefield of the Mind, I think was a Joyce Meyer book, you know, and then a lot of uh, Beth Moore books and, you know, all of these different, you know, individuals that I followed and I read everything that I could get my hands on. And then it got to the point where I was like, I can't watch regular, you know, secular TV. So I would only watch TV evangelist and then the radio, like I couldn't listen to secular music. I only wanted to listen to, you know, Christian. So I was doing all of these things because everything that I was reading and learning was that I needed to re-wallpaper my mind and that I needed to memorize more scripture and that I needed to, you know, and that these were the things that were going to help me and 
to free me from, you know, this awfulness that I was going through. And, but it was like as much, I tried and tried and tried and tried. And no matter what I did, I was still very much suffering. And um, thankfully, you know, about, it's kind of, there's kind of this jump because I went from religion to art and art became the thing that actually pulled me out of it for a couple of years. Um, And, but even that became very much like a drug, you know, it was like, okay, the religion thing didn't work. So now we're going to do the art thing. And if, you know, if the art thing is working now, I'm going to do everything possible to get as much work as I possibly can to just dive into that because my brain is one that obsesses over things. And so though I didn't realize it at the time, that's what I was doing. (laughs) I was obsessing. And so, um, Art pulled me out of it, but then we moved from Indiana to Nashville. And when we moved and made that transition um, and we're away from family and friends and our community, you know, um, things got really rough here for me. And uh, at the at that point in time, I was doing a lot of graphic design work for independent artists and uh, the music industry was changing. And so I ended up laying that down. And when I laid that down that's when everything just resurfaced. Only this time, the intrusive thoughts were coming at me and they were about my my second baby. And they were, you know, it was berating me and berating, um, it was just this constant never-ending record that was happening inside of me. And it scared me so much that I finally picked up the telephone and, you know, reached out to a counselor. And Thankfully, you know, it was through her and it was probably seven good years of intensive therapy uh, that I started to learn a lot about just the brain and how trauma affects the brain and how not only the trauma affected the brain, but also all the pathways from my early childhood and from the beliefs that I had and you know, all those different systems, they all worked together to basically put me in that situation where I immediately internalized everything and blamed myself and all that. um, So through that process, you know, she just taught me a lot about the fact that, so the obsessiveness that I had within my brain is a part of my OCD. So I did not realize that I had OCD prior to therapy. Um, but that was something that I learned that I do have. And so because of the obsessive thoughts, like those were the things that were, you know, just taking me down the train and turning, you know, it was the train wreck. <laughs> um, and so, so you went through many years of, of really struggling, right. With your thoughts and, uh, just all this stuff and, you know, your mental health. And then you finally, you know, picked up the um, phone called this counselor. You started going to therapy, you know, you did yes. different types of um, work with a therapist. Yes. And, you know, you started to kind of, I guess, uncover, right. The things in your past, the traumas in your past that were, that were really kind of making this mental soup worse. Right. Yes. And so I guess, what would you share with someone um, who may be struggling with their own um, anxieties, fear, depression, beliefs that continue to, you know, come up that they're telling them about themselves, about their life. There's just something, right? They feel kind of stuck. 
So maybe what recommendations would you have for them based on what you've gone through and what you've learned through going and getting um, counseling and therapy? Sure. I think three of the biggest things that I have learned is, you know, one of one of the things that I was most terrified about was speaking up. And, you know, that's something that also is just historically trying to say what was on my mind. Again, that people pleaser, you know, tendency was not kind of plays into all of that. And the fact that I didn't share and I believed, I think I learned to believe that silence was supposedly a friend and that it was protecting me. And I think what I learned through going to a counselor was, you know, there came a point where I couldn't, I couldn't stay quiet anymore. I couldn't not tell this individual everything that was going on inside of my brain, (laughs) you know, which was really scary, um, you know, to share all of that. But I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I've learned is that, you know, silence is not our friend and that, you know, being able to share with somebody who's trusted, you know, is really important that we're able to do that. And then, you know, just being able, I think my second thing is being able to ask for help. You know, I think so often we're taught that we should be able to do it on our own. And, um, but (laughs) that's not how God designed us. It's not how he created us. He created us for community. And, you know, if, we have something that's going on and that's hurting us, even if it's a, say it's a different medical condition, you know, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to go and ask for help, you know? And so I think so often we forget that, oh, the brain is also an organ. (laughs) And if it is hurting, then, you know, it's important that we go and that we ask for help. Um, And then I think, Probably the third thing that God has really taught me is that, you know, we are so quick to blame ourselves. And, um, you know, when you go back and you look at the story of Adam and Eve and Eve, you know, taking the apple from the serpent. And at the end of that story, you see how Adam blames Eve and says, you know, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me the apple, you know? And then Eve goes on and it was like, well, the serpent deceived me. But when you look at the story after, you know, she says that to God, what is it that God comes back and says? He looks at the serpent and says, because you have done this, you will crawl for the rest of your life, you know, on your belly. And so like, to me, like that was such a like aha moment for me to go. We're so quick to blame ourselves, but ultimately God doesn't even blame us. You know, like why are we berating ourselves and hurting ourselves like this when he sees, you know, who the true culprit is and, you know, and that's our enemy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those are such good, good uh, thoughts to share. The first thing when you said about staying quiet, I know one of the things you said about it was, and and I think, you know, a lot of people relate to this, both men and women, is that it feels embarrassing. It feels vulnerable, right, to share that we're not okay in some way, that something doesn't feel right or, or you know, whatever it is. And so I love that you said this and you said something about um, recognizing, acknowledge, acknowledging our story is not a weakness. It's actually a strength, right? It actually is what sets us free. And I thought that was, you know, such a good example. 
Um, did you have anything else to say about that that you learned? Well, I think, you know, for me, when I look at all of it, from an overarching standpoint, you know, that I'm able to see that who I was and who I am are two different people. And had I not gone through the journey that I've gone through, you know, I would still be suffering. Um, you know, I would still be struggling with just self-doubt and the beliefs that, you know, everything that I was supposed to do was for the sake of others. And um, I think ultimately like God wanted to set me free from, from that belief and wanted me to be who he designed me to be, as opposed to being who everybody else said that I should be. Absolutely. And that's, isn't that really what it comes down to is we were designed the way we were designed, but that doesn't mean that sometimes things aren't going to bubble up that we need to, you know, like you said, ask for help and, you know, I think uh, one thing is, you know, you often hear stories and I, I can't remember the exact story, but, you know, there's the guy in the boat, right? He's praying to God for a sign, like to, to save them. But it's like, there's actually stuff in the book that would have saved him and the ship's sinking, right? It has holes in it. But it's yes. like, God didn't always say, I'm going to show up right in your life and I'm going to pull you up. I mean, not that he doesn't do that, but sometimes it's already right around us. The resource, the availability, the help we need is right there in our reach. And he does expect us to act. And yeah. so, you know, I think sometimes we might think like, oh, I prayed to God, I did these things and we should do those things. And sometimes right. there is healing or there is, um, you know, promise, a met, a blessing, but it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to, in our own ability, try to go and um, so take action. Right. And so, right. you know, I would just remind people that they might say like, but why isn't God, like you said, you did all these things, you tried to dive deeper into the word. You tried to really, you know, pray to God. You did all these things and you're like, I still was struggling to help. But he's not saying that, that that's all we have to do. There may just be other things we have to do. And yeah. I think that's an important thing to, to mention because, uh, you know, one, I think you're right. It, we have to be willing to ask for help. And I think, you know, I also think it's interesting you know, you mentioned this and you said, nobody in my life really said like, Hey, Raina, maybe you need help. But yeah. I think part of that might be, is it's because we, we are afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid to share. Right. So yes. I think from what I understood in the book is you didn't maybe want to share some of the thoughts or worries you were having with absolutely close to you because it made you feel a certain way, whether it was vulnerable or weak, or like you were like, no one else must feel this way. Right. Well, and I think a lot of it was just the thoughts that were going on inside my mind. And, you know, if I grew up with so much shame and, you know, with believing that if you did something bad, then you must be bad, then what am I if I'm having a bad thought? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. so I think that was something that I was like, that I, I couldn't wrap my brain around because it was like, you know, and it took a lot of therapy and for me to go, for me to learn that you know, just because you have a thought doesn't mean that you are what you think. And, you know, I think that's such an important thing and piece for all of this is to, you know, just be able to go, okay, like we are not perfect. We were not created as perfect beings, right? There's going to be things that are going to come in and go out, <laughs> you know? And so, um, but yeah, being able to get to a point where, you know, it was, 
necessary for me to share all of that stuff was, you know, such a pivotal, a pivotal point for me. Yeah. yeah and, you know, you, you said one thing in the book and I wrote it down because I thought it was really impactful, but it was about, about you going through this process. And you said, I think this is about what you said. I could stay in a place that kept uh, you shackled or you could trust God, that trust God would go with you and lead you to a, a place of, or lead you to safety. Yes. And, right. And so I think for anybody that's maybe struggling with something, the point is, is whatever we're struggling with is the chains that's holding us right yes. from a place of freedom. And we're not in freedom. Right. But if we trust God that he's going to take care of us, he's going to help us through whatever it is. We're going to get to the other side. You know, yes. and I thought that was I thought that was really lovely said. Thank you. Yeah. So what else would you just tell us about? Um, what you've learned, you know, just um, going through this process as a mom with two beautiful daughters and a mom um, with one of your daughters uh, now, you know, that just finished school, uh, a special needs daughter and how that changed your view of God. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the thing that I have learned the most as her mom <laughs> is that, you know, she is incapable of doing a lot of things perfectly. <laughs> she is not one who is going to worry about pleasing other people. <laughs> um, and yet I still love her. And I think it's through parenting her and that God has shown me that, you know, you're not able to be perfect either. And I still love you. And, you know, that has probably been one of the biggest things that I have learned, you know, and, and just recognizing that, you know, early in those early years of raising her, it was hard. It was really, you know, not that it's not hard now, like it's, it's a different kind of hard now because it's, you know, where most parents, you know, my age are looking at empty nesting. We're looking at, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what does it look like for, me, her father and her, <laughs> you know, and so the, um, but in the hard, you know, with her when she was younger, God taught me a lot of patience and he showed me, you know, that he basically takes us and he just wraps us up in his arms and that he loves us no matter how much we fight him no matter how much we yell at him, no matter how much, um, you know, how imperfect we are, <laughs> you know, all the things that I've learned as her mom is being able to recognize that, you know, she didn't have the ability to, you know, be that child who had to put on this personification, you know, of being perfect. And I still loved her and valued her and I still love her and value her, you know, and she has worth again, just because she has breath inside of her lungs. Mm. Mm, so beautiful. And yeah, so, so much truth in that. So thank you for sharing that. What, uh, just what would you want to leave the listeners with like any final words of encouragement or just uh, thoughts of hope that you want to share? Well, I think, you know, my biggest thing is, like I said, when I was going through all of this, I 
was looking for a resource and I was looking for help and I didn't know where to turn. And I had not heard of anybody who had gone through, you know, what I had gone through. And um, for me, I think the biggest thing is be willing to ask for help. Be able to recognize that silence, as much as we think it is protecting us, it isn't protecting us. Um, And give yourself grace. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and that that what what was coming up for me when you said that was, um, you know, the the saying like the truth will set us free. But truly, a lot of times truth is sharing what's, you know, deep inside of us with, with, like you said, a trusted a friend or a counselor or someone. Yes. And, you know, there's example of like a river uh, is always going to find a way forward, right? Like in other yes. words, even if it's blocked and it's much like our truth, our story has to come out at some point, whether we deal right. with it now or in the future, it, it, it need, it's the truth is going to find a way just like that river, that water's going to find a way, right? It's not going to get blocked. Eventually it, right. it makes a new path, if you will. And so, you know, I think that's, um, you know, it makes so much sense, but yeah, I think you're so right. Asking for help. And, you know, there's so many different ways to get help. And there's also Absolutely. so many other tools and different modalities and therapies, you know, that people yes. can look into. I know journaling is one that you used along with, you know, going to counseling and things like that, that, that I think you mentioned helped you as well. Yes. So tell us, uh, Miranda, so thank you, first of all, for coming on and sharing your story and sharing you know, both your journey, but then also just uh, walking through, uh, you know, from being a place of not knowing what to do when you were struggling to finding the help that you needed and still continuing on the journey to keep growing and improving and really to see how much you realize God loves you and loves all of us. Um, but can you share with people, you know, what are you working on now and how can people connect with you online? Sure. Um, so as of right now, First of all, I'll just share, you know, that I have been working through being, getting certified to be a mental health coach and um, have also been looking at uh, also speaking, doing some public speaking to share, you know, more of my story and just working through and talking with different podcasters and that sort of thing. But the biggest thing, you know, right now that where my heart is, is on top of sharing about mental health is that my daughter has started a little bead making business. And um, she has begged me for several years to make and sell bracelets. And so we, I finally was like, okay, how can I make this happen? And what does it look like, you know, to do that? Um, Just with, the struggles that she has and, you know, all those different things and how can we do this so that it's good for her and good for me. (laughs) And so that is something that we have uh, started at Bella Ray and company. And you can find that on my website at RainaMcIntyre.com. And then you can also follow me on Instagram at RainaMcIntyre underscore author or on Facebook at RainaMcIntyre author. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing everything today. And I love that you've started the bead beading or the bead bracelet with your daughter. I will definitely make sure we share all that in the show notes. So thanks again for joining us. And I hope, uh, you know, the listeners are inspired and encouraged by your story today. And for those that, uh, you know, maybe are are needing um, 
a little help, I hope that they are able to go and ask for the help that they need. So thanks again, Raina, for joining us. Thank you, Kristen. Okay, as I wrap up today's episode, I want to share a quote with you and I want to just highlight a couple concepts from the episode. The first is that we do not have to be people pleasers. We do not have to be perfectionists and we do not have to let fear control us. And we can get help. Of course, God is there for us along the way. He's always there for us and there are resources available. We need to destigmatize talking about mental health, destigmatize talking about our feelings and the beliefs that have maybe held us chained to our past. We can experience real freedom. We can break free so that we can really live a life of freedom by being open, sharing our thoughts and speaking up for ourselves and for sharing our thoughts and talking to friends and then getting professional help when we need it. Okay. And I just wanted to share this excerpt from Raina's book. She says, when we are controlled by Satan's manipulation and lies, we listen to him tell us who we are and our focus turns to outward things. Maybe we work tirelessly to please others. Maybe we focus too much on our appearance. Maybe we nod our heads when we shouldn't, so we won't rock the boat. However it plays out, we end up focusing on what is seen and things we believe we can control. But in doing this, we also unfortunately end up putting this focus onto others. As we work harder and harder to live up to the idea of who we believe we should be in order to be accepted, we deny our true selves and create a world more and more intolerant to anyone who lives authentically in who they are and were made to be. When we focus on outward things, authenticity can feel like a threat and something we need to stifle in order to keep going. This is one of the many ways Satan, the whisper of lies, deceives. And I just thought that that was so good. And once again, she talks about staying quiet does not equal staying safe. Uh, you know, so let's speak up. Let's have honest and open conversations. I know a lot more people are these days about things we struggle with, about um, limiting beliefs, about guilt and shame and about our mental health situations, right? Like where we are with our mental health, if we're having a hard time with something and let's make it the norm that we talk about this openly, especially as Christians. So until next time, I hope you have a wonderful day and I hope that you are finding the people in your community and the resources you need to continue to have these kind of conversations. Thanks again for listening to the show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you could take a minute to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts because it helps our show get discovered by more people. And if you'd like to be encouraged in your faith and in your life, go on to kristenfitch.com and sign up to get my newsletter. I have lots of freebies and lots of inspiration and encouragement that will be coming your way. And I would love it if you joined part of our community.